Welcome again to Grace Church. And you're all looking, saying, Tom, it's Luke's time. Where is Luke? And our pastor is actually, we can uh, rejoice, um, Trevor and Katie, who are usually here, Trevor in the back doing sound, got married yesterday in Alabama, and Luke couldn't get back in time, so he asked me uh, to, uh, to preach, and so I, I, I get the opportunity again. And it made me think, as I was li- listening to this passage, and as I chewed on it all week long, it was uh, this thought, have you ever had this, as, especially you parents, um, but anybody in authority with, with people, um, do you ever find out sometimes your, your kids, other people need to hear it from somebody else? One of my sons uh, was living in Portland and he got in touch with me and you know with our kids we hope they're doing well and we're praying for them and, and out of the blue he, he said, I'm going to this new church, it's a big church and I thought, well, some big churches are okay and he said, I'm playing drums at this church and the pastor, and he started telling me what the pastor was teaching on. And it was, it was stuff from one of my favorite authors, Dallas Willard, about spiritual formation and, and the spiritual disciplines. And he said, this guy's just all the time quoting this Dallas Willard. And, and I thought, you know, William, I've been telling you that for 21 years. And now you finally hear it from somebody else. What's wrong with me? You know, and then I thought, that's not the attitude I want to have, is it? Um, oftentimes, it's good to hear it from a different voice, uh, from a different perspective often. And, and so today is kind of an opportunity um, t- for you to hear some of this Ephesians. And I, I had the option, I thought I could preach something that I preached before that, you know, but, uh, but Luke said, or you can just continue on. And I said, let me do that. And what was exciting for me is really what we have here is, is almost in some ways a recap of, of what Paul did last week, only a, he just does it in a different way. And in fact, he... Um, he kind of loses, he kind of goes down a rabbit hole and loses his focus a little, and then he gets it back. Now, we know, if you look at chapter 3, verse 14, the verse, verse 1, he says, for the, this reason, I, Paul. And if you look down to verse 14, which Luke will start next week, in verse 14, he says, for this reason, I, and then he goes into, <coughs> into prayer. Now, it seems like probably he was ready to go into prayer, and all of a sudden he had this random direction he wanted to go. Now, the good thing is, is if this morning in my message, if I kind of get distracted and go down a rabbit hole, I can just say it's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, like Paul can, right? Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But what Paul is able to do, really, is, is he was focusing, as we know from, from, uh, from Luke last week, he was talking to these Gentiles in his church and everybody and saying, this is the new one body. You are all now new members of one body. You're citizens of a new kingdom. You're part of a new um, temple. Remember last Sunday we finished up there? These, all this new stuff that you have. And, and he was then going to pray for them. But, but what we have here today, he was focusing on them. And then all of a sudden, I guess it may be human nature, Paul all of a sudden got focused on himself. And he says, for, for, uh, for I, Paul, and then he goes on and he begins to give them, he, ge- he begins to give them this picture of, of what God had done in his life um, through God's grace. And we see it a couple times there. What we see is we know Paul was called to be the evangelist to the, to the Gentiles. And he starts off in saying there, he says, for I am a prisoner for Christ. Now we know again 
that he was in prison when he wrote this. And what I want you to, again, as we think about this, is that would be a bad thing, right? When we hear of people being put in prison, what do we do? We pray for them to be released. We're always saying, Lord, and we look at all the bad things. And again, one of the things you'll get through all this is that God is in charge and has a plan. And Paul will even be, he says he's a prisoner, then later on he ends his message kind of quaintly by saying, so I don't want you to worry so much about my suffering. I don't want you to worry about that because it's for you. And Paul knew what happened while he was in prison. Why was that a good thing in some ways? Well, you gotta, all you got to do is go to Philippians and see that, that Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happening to me has actually been advancing the gospel. And he, so sometimes the worst things that happen are good. And he says, for the whole praetorian guard, all the guards, can you imagine being handcuffed to Paul 24-7? And you're hearing him share the gospel with anybody and everybody comes in. And then, and then suddenly Paul would probably look at the jailer and says, you know, how's your family doing? You know, you're here with me 13 hours today. And are, you, are you doing okay? And I bet you he had opportunity after opportunity and the gospel was spreading. What else good happened when he was a prisoner? Well, let's see. He got a little correspondence done, didn't he? He got to be able to write some letters. These letters, this one's, several of, the, of his letters were written from prison. And oftentimes I think... If, if God hadn't slowed him down and forced him to settle in, that might not have happened, but God had a plan. So, so he starts off by saying he's a prisoner, and, and, that, and that's, that's what, you know, what he wanted them to know. But, uh, but he then goes on, and he says, and I'm, I'm, he goes, and God's given me a gift of grace as, a, as the evangelist to the Gentiles, a gift of grace. And then he goes on, and, and then he says this phrase, and he said it a couple times in his letters. Have you ever heard him say, for I am the least of all the saints, or I am the greatest sinner? What comes to your mind when you hear Paul say, I'm the least? We all kind of think, oh, come on now. I mean, really? Um, I mean, either this is just some false modesty kind of saying, please, don't, you know. But the truth is, we need to understand, especially when it comes to what, what Paul's life had been, we need to understand that he was very serious about that. In fact, I want to read a section for you where Paul does, you know, when he was in, when he was in prison and before the court, and, and King Agrippa, and he, and he gives a brief testimony of his life. And I want to read to you from Acts 26, starting in verse 9. He said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. And on the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. Can you imagine living with that? Paul now has the opportunity, as we're going to see in a second, he has the opportunity to know the grace of God, what God has done for him. Like all of us, right? We know what God's done for us. And you and I know what we've done, what we've thought of doing. But with Paul, as he now has the chance to preach the gospel to people, 
Um, what comes to his mind sometimes? How about that person that, that, uh, that heard about Jesus and I went and persecuted them? They heard about Jesus and I sat down with them. I said, renounce the name of Jesus. And I made them. Paul had that in his mind at all times. He knew what he had done and how terrible those things had been. So when he says, I am the least, uh, I, I'm the least of all the saints, I'm a, the greatest sinner, he was not kidding. He was saying, that's what I feel like. If you only knew what I've been through. And so Paul says that, but listen then what, what God did to change him. He goes on in his testimony, and he tells the story about being on the road and the light blinding him and the voice coming. And he asked the voice, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your, from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So there's a bit of Paul's testimony. And it fits right in with this passage in Ephesians because that's really what he's telling them about. He's been laying the groundwork but, uh, but what you need to know again about Paul is, is that, uh, that it says it, you know, that, it, that he was called to be the, the minister to the Gentiles or the evangelist. But, but what was his background? He was, a, he was a Jew of Jews. He was the best of the Jews, and he had been going for it. And that's why he was doing that persecution. And, and that's randomly why God, randomly to us, because we wouldn't think of taking that kind of person and sending them to the Gentiles. What would we think? We think of the world out there. Who do we want to send? We want to send some celebrity they'll relate to. We want to send somebody that'll be like, be like them. And instead, God decided to pick somebody completely different. And so Paul then says, so now let me tell you about this mystery. And what's amazing to me is we think of mystery. This, this month is October. Have you noticed that it's all of a sudden the whole month of October has become Halloween month? And this whole mysterious, you know, everything's mysterious. I want you to know and, uh, that the mystery here that is mentioned three different times, the mystery of, of what God is doing is not mysterious. The Greek word for mystery isn't dark or sinister. It really, it really is... Um, let me read a quote from John Stott. It says, It's a truth hidden from human knowledge or understanding, now disclosed by the revelation of God. So it's not anything what we would call mysterious. What it is is just an eye-opening thing. God decides um, to, to let the truth out. And what he says is that, that this mystery was not shown. In fact, Paul wanted to clarify that this mystery... Was, was not something that people had seen before. But, but let me ask you, when you go to a church and you hear, or if you talk to a friend, and they have some kind of a new interpretation on Scripture, or a new understanding, and they say, this is new, this has not been known before, what goes on in your mind? I hope a red flag goes up and you say, wait a second, let's, uh, let's think about this a little more, and what do we do? 
we test it against Scripture, don't we? But what Paul says here is that what he was given by God was something new. And the mystery was only a mystery because God decided not to reveal it before. It's a revelation of God. And so Paul says, what I've been telling you, what I've been telling you about the Gentiles is, is straight from God. And you and I need to back up a little bit because we read this and say, oh, okay, whatever the church is, you know, is, is all going to come together and we're all going to be one and that's the way it is. Well, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came and when Jesus um, died on the cross, was resurrected and left, and the early church started, you know that early church was almost exclusively Jewish. And for decades, it took decades um, for the church to a little by little begin to understand that their God was not just some regional deity, just some God of the Jews in the desert over there in that little area. Instead, that he was the great God of, of the whole world and of all people. They didn't get that. And so when you began to talk to them about that, um, that, about things like that, they, they, they were not open to the idea. They, I mean, a lot of the Jews did not accept Jesus. The ones who did all of a sudden said, okay, the Messiah has come, and we believe him. But what did they still think? They still thought he was going to set up his kingdom, right? When you, our Lord, are you going to set up your kingdom now? And Jesus said, it's not, not, not the right time. But not only did Jesus say, no, I'm not going to do that, what did he do? He left. And then he said, you know, this, what's going to happen is, not only am I not going to come and kick out the Romans, kick out all the Gentiles and give you all that you want so you can be happy as a little Jewish community, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to be sending you out to them. My gospel is bigger. One of the things I like to do um, back in the day when I preached more is whenever I read a passage... I like to kind of ask myself, what's the one big idea? I mean, most messages, most sermons have like three or four or five points, and how many of them do we remember? <laughs> Don't answer that question. <laughs> to me, what I always thought is if I could get one key idea across, that would be it. What's the big idea? And so this week, actually, I asked and oftentimes you can find multiple things and you can focus on different points. But I asked several friends to uh, look at this passage and give me what they thought. But uh, what to me pops out most clearly, we'll see it here in verse 6, because he keeps saying this mystery that God did not re you know, reveal to, to other generations. But then he says he has revealed it to me. And he said and he has revealed it to other um, of, the, of the apostles and prophets. Do you, do, you, do you know of any place where anybody else revealed the, the, this truth of this mystery? Remember Peter? Remember with Cornelius in Acts 10? What happened to Peter? He was a Jew and he was believing in Jesus, loving Jesus, and following Jesus, and he still had this idea that you've got to follow the Jewish rules, right? And so what did Jesus do to him? He gave him a revelation and said, you know, remember he showed him all those animals that were unclean, and he said, Peter, take and eat, kill and eat. And Peter said, Lord, I can't do that. And Jesus was trying to give him the revelation and finally did, and then he went downstairs, and then Cornelius, and then many other Gentiles. But it took Peter a long time. But that's another, when Paul says others have, of the apostles and prophets have also got this revelation, he was emphasizing to them, this is not just my little theological 
angle on things. This is my, not my take. This is the revelation of God. And here it is in, in, in verse 6. If you want to know what the mystery is, very simply it says, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, on, and partakers of the promises in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This was not an easy one for the church, and it took them decades and decades to finally get that settled. But you know what? It's still not easy for us today, is it? We like to be around people who are like ourselves. We like being with, with folks that we can relate to that seem like us, and that's human nature. And that's where a lot of the problems, the, the difficulties and the racism comes in around the world is we, we just have a hard time relating to other kind of people. But the church of God is, is this big, messy, beautiful place with all kinds of people. And um, one of my blessings, being here at Grace, and uh, I thought today is I thought, I'm going to be preaching and I, I want somebody to pray for me. And who did I think of when I thought of having people pray for me. I thought of the Hispanic church because those folks really know how to pray. Have you ever prayed with the Hispanic church? They just pray on and on with emotion and loud. And uh, did you also know that they pray here, right in this room, every Sunday morning at five, five to about quarter to six or six. And they pray for us, they pray for their church, they pray for our valley. So I came early and I got in here and I said, Gilberto, Pastor Gilberto, would you, would you pray for me? Um, knowing that I would not be able to understand the prayer. <laughs> but I didn't care. Um, they are part of the church. They are us. And, and so I, he went on and was very emotional. I wish I knew what he was saying, but honestly, I don't care. I just was so glad I heard uh, Senor Tomas, that's uh, Pastor Tom, and I heard uh, Espiritu, I knew the Spirit, and so I, he, I just knew that he was praying that God would fill me with his Spirit. But this is the church that we're talking about here, and this is, this is the mystery that we're, we're, we're saying, and it's, that's the big deal that he was getting across. The mystery of God is that this church is going to be worldwide, little did they know, and he says, and you are going to be the ones that I'm going to send out to go and do this. And, and, he, and, he, and he makes it really clear, and he, and he says, um, that's the big deal there, and, and, but what's interesting is, when I looked at that and I thought, is that the, really the big deal of this or the big point of this, this passage? It's pretty big. It's big to them. But if you go on just a little further, it was crazy. L look at what comes next. If you go down to verse 9, because he says, he goes, it was given to me, I am the very least of the saints, this is verse 8, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and listen, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There it is up there. I don't need to stare at my Bible. Leave it up there, please. That was good. If you can get, get it back up there. Um, do you see that that even just the church being worldwide and being open to the Gentiles and all that, that was a big step for them. But do you see the next step? 
We're getting macro here. We're getting big. He says, that has the purpose then that the church, meaning you and I and the church worldwide, would, would manifest to the world the manifold wisdom of God um, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's mind-blowing. What Paul just throws in as a little aside there, it seems, he's saying, not only am I going to come and I'm going to be the, we're going to be the God to the whole, to all people, but now all people who come into the church are going to be a testimony to who? The rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Who are those? They're the spiritual realms that we don't know much about. Um, you can think of him, and in fact, in Ephesians earlier, um, back in chapter 2, Luke mentioned how they, he talked about how we used to walk under the power of what? The prince of the air? Spiritual warfare. Where are we going to go at the end of Ephesians? He's just going to say, put on the full armor of God. Why? Because your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against all spiritual you know, powers and authorities and dominions. And There is a spiritual battle going on, and somehow, when the church comes together in unity, and the church is this diverse, messy thing, we are a testimony to the spiritual powers out there. Uh, that's, again, that's, I can't understand that. And what amazes me as you think about it, do the, do the spiritual authorities, do they know about you and I? I think they do. They don't have complete knowledge like God. We have to be really careful about that. Luke's made it clear. Don't, don't think too highly of the evil, you know, and think too much about spiritual demons and all that stuff, but don't, don't discount the devil as well. So that we are called then as the church, big picture, to bring the gospel not just to the Gentiles, not just to the world, but then coming together to all the spiritual realms. And so that's what Paul kind of digs down into a little bit, is saying this is a mystery. And why God chose to keep it a mystery, we don't know. That's why you call it a mystery. God brought it forth. And I hope that each one of us can, uh, can grapple with the fact that there's a lot that we don't know. And even Paul, when he, I mean, a passionate persecutor of the church, God gets a hold of him and he humbly just listens to what God has and faithfully goes and serves the church. But as we close, what I want to close with is he goes from big to bigger but then it's always good to end on a more intimate and uh, personal note. And if you look at the very last section there, before he goes into the prayer, which is you'll get next week, in verse 12, well, let's read 11 and 12. He says, This was according to the eternal purpose that is realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. That was the point that one of my boys brought up when I asked him to, to read through this. He said, that's the point that, that I resonated with. And that is, is, even on the biggest scale that we are called to be a testimony to the spiritual realms of the world, he said, we have personal access through Jesus to God. And it's intimate, and we can go with boldness. And so you and I, even though these big things are going on in the universe... 
today we, we have immediate access to that same God who created all this through Jesus Christ. And so, if you don't know what that's like, if you don't know what it means to know Jesus and, and to walk with him and have him be right beside you, I pray that today would be a day maybe that you take the time to, uh, to, to look into that and say, I want to know. And to know that you are a part of this huge plan of God's to reach into all the world and, and all the universe and all time, and yet that God is very personal. So that's Ephesians 3, the end there, and uh, Luke will continue on with our, with our prayer next week. The last prayer there is one of the best prayers. Read ahead if you want from chapter 3, verse 14 to the end there. Would you pray with me? God, we're thankful uh, that Paul, even though the least of the apostles, Lord, thank you for his humility. Thank you for his insight. Thank you that you saw fit to, to reveal yourself to him, to save him, uh, to, and to give him a passion and love to take uh, your gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the Gentiles, to all those who are far off, Lord, I pray now that you would be working in your church. Lord, may we be excited and willing to join that same cause. Lord, give us that passion. And Lord, give us a love for people who are different, different than ourselves. Give us an understanding and a desire to, un to understand them, but also, Lord, just a love even when we don't understand and, and to realize that, that you are a... a the God of the universe, and you have great plans, and we get to be a part of it. We are thankful for that. And today we're thankful for the closeness we get to have with you, for the immediate access, the boldness we can come into your presence. Lord, allow us to know you today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.